When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TFR Broncos live, coming to you live from Studio C today. Studio C, fresh off a Broncos practice. Zach and I were both there today. The C stands for nothing to do with the Broncos. It stands for Cup. As in the Let's go, baby. Start the Cup final tomorrow. I know they had some. Uh, they had uh, Stanley Cup final media day today, which is kind of weird for me. Think about like. Because you know I've been to a couple Super Bowl media days, and I'm just like when I thought of it, I wasn't thinking of it as the same thing. Um, and then I saw pictures, and I was like, oh, it is kind of the same thing, just obviously not at a um, a neutral location, which I guess kind of sucks for. Eh, maybe I don't know. The Tampa media, I'm sure, is out here. So, um, but it also starts stands for camp, as in mini camp. Uh, and like I said, Zach, we were both out there today at practice, which was great. Uh, great to see everyone down there. And I mean, Ryan, you're like the superstar rocking at camp since no one's seen you in a while. Everyone's, you know, shaking hands, wanting you to kiss their babies down there. Yeah, well, it's tough. Uh, you know, they're handing out uh, practice credentials like Super Bowl uh, game credentials over there. Uh, only I'm pretty so sure much... it's easier to go to Avs uh, Stanley Cup Media Day than it is to go to a practice in June for the Broncos. Yeah, and uh, I gotta say, a lot of those media who always, you know, give me shit for not being at practice, nowhere to be seen today. A lot of open space mm-hmm. on the sidelines. I don't know how how we were able to all fit in there. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, just oh, there's only just two practice fields next to each other, uh, <laughs> with a little green belt in between. So you know, 200 yards of space. Hundreds of you, exactly. Yeah, but somehow we did it, Ryan, and somehow you and I survived the heat once again. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I'm feeling a little smoky right now. Like it was You're looking uh, a little toasty. I know. Well, I, what I really, so I, obviously I was on the golf course all weekend, and I was like, oh, I've got a nice base layer, like. I don't really have to worry about getting burnt out there, but I wasn't wearing a hat like I wear on the golf course. So like where I wear a hat got, got a little smoked. It's all right. Speaking of hat and smoky and you, how's a little sunburn on the back of your head going? Is it all covered up now? Is it gone? We still have it. It's not getting any better because I keep wearing the same damn hat on the golf course. (laughs) So, you know, even if you put sunscreen on, you're still getting color there. And uh, I'm about to go get a haircut right as we're done with this pod. And I bet it's going to get nice and uncovered. Mm, um, you're doing the cup do. haircut. I love it. Maybe I need to get like a uh, skull cap uh, like the football players wear under their helmets uh, <laughs> and wear that under my hat on the golf course. Or I think you just go skull cap, no hat over it. Yeah, that's true. Someone asked, do you guys burn faster at a mile high? Uh, yes. Yes, we do. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because we're that much closer to the sun. Yeah, and I mean, you, when when you go to the mountains, you absolutely not. I I thought they were saying burn faster, mile high. Thought it was something else. Oh, you thought it, like it was a joke about like burning trees. 
Yeah, or you know, like burning weed or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Sorry, oh, burning trees. Oh, for you there. wow. Yeah. Uh, or I thought they were, they could have been talking about the stadium mile high burning. Uh, at, <laughs> well, at and Rob in Walton's fact, request. That, and in fact, that stadium does burn easier than other stadiums. We found out. Yes, yeah, so it's the uh, Vaseline or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, we were out there. It was awesome. Um, and there's, I think, a, a good few talking points, but but nowhere that you could possibly start other than the chef himself, uh, Russell Wilson. And I call him chef because I had, like, a, um, uh, for lack of a better term here, a come-to-Jesus moment today uh, watching Russell Wilson out there live at practice, which was, you know when there is a player – especially when they're on the opposite team when you're watching a basketball game and you see them get an open look, you know, an open three, and you're just like, that's going in. Like Chef Curry. That's how it is with Russell Wilson. And it's not open threes as it is open receivers. When you see, when you know, I'm watching, and I wish we had a little bit more of a bird's eye view so you could see the play of it develop a little more. We'll have, a, I think, we'll be out the, on the hill a little more during training camp, so you have a better view of the play. But even when from where we are, you see a receiver start to break open, and you're just like, "Oh, Russ is going to hit that guy," uh, and then he just does. And I think multiple times today, especially on in-cutting deep routes, Russ was dialed. And you could just see him, you just see him when he hits that back foot and starts to release it. You're like, yep, that's going right where he wants it to. And it, and it pretty much does. And speaking of right where he wants it to, I was watching as they were doing the drill, uh, throwing into the pockets, which is funny because a lot has been made about it over the years. Um, and I've always been like, a, like legitimately a little bit shocked how much these professional quarterbacks who, you know, all they do is throw a football, miss the pockets, you know, it's a big net with like pockets that are, I don't know, two by two, would you say? Yeah. yeah. Um, in the, in their next, the, the ones they were doing today are next to each other, right in the middle. There's a blue one and an orange one. The drill they were doing is the quarterback drops back. So they've got the, um, I don't know what you would call those things, the little pads. So they've got to drop back over the pads, kind of work on their footwork, going back, make sure they're not tripping over their own feet. And one of the assistant coaches yells out a color, blue or orange. Um, and if they're going right, they'll throw it to the right one, and the blue or orange, they're going left, they're going to the left one. Like I said, in years past, I always came away from watching that drill being like, man, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked how much they missed those things. And Russ, at one point, I think hit five in a row, just absolute missiles, darts right in the middle of the two-by-two two square, and it's just like little things like that, The, the you know, knowing he's going to hit that open receiver. Those are such little things things i guess but it it's so 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 noticeable when russell wilson's out there on the field how much better he is at those little things than he than, than his predecessors well and, and ryan both of those things to me just scream elite and especially if you want to talk about it from basketball steph curry why he's able to hit those open shots and you just know what's going in and he knows it's going in and he'll turn around before the shot even goes in it's because he's elite that's when you're talking about elite players is when they do the the difficult things when everything is right they do them a hundred percent of the time and russ 
is elite, and that's why you can feel so comfortable. If he has a clean pocket, something good's going to happen. And the great thing about Russ is, you know, when Tom Brady doesn't have a clean pocket and, and some other non as mo, not mobile guys, then that's when things break down for them. But for Russ, you have that added extra protection and benefit of him running around. So that's a big bonus. And then also the accuracy. It really is crazy. I mean, we would see... I'm not trying to exaggerate here, but I want to say the quarterbacks that we've seen the past few years, not going to throw any specific names under the bus, just the oh, general I'll group. Toss them in. <laughs> Ryan, what are we talking about? I mean, they hit the the target you're talking about 25% of the time. Maybe. Maybe. And I'm talking about the starters, the guys that are supposed to be good. And you're absolutely right. I think what one time when he went up there, he was like five of seven or something yep. like that, which yep. is just incredible. Yeah. And the ones that he's missing are still hitting the tape. Uh, you know, like there's nothing even coming close to off the board or anything like that. And I'll be honest, Case Keenum, Drew Locke, Teddy Drew Bridgewater, uh, Joe Flacco, all these guys, all terrible. The one quarterback who has come through here who was good at this was Chad Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Legitimately. He would he would smoke the competition in that specific drill every single day. And you know, it was like one of those little things that we were holding on to. Like, is he actually good? Because right. he's the only one like ripping a tight spiral into the net. And I mean, he would rip it too, but not even anywhere close. I mean, he maybe was hitting forty percent. Um, Man, Chad Kelly, the days I remember, Ryan, we had a story written in our heads of him looking at the Super Bowl trophies in the media room. And <laughs> that was when Chad Kelly took over until he went to a Halloween party. And uh, we all know the story from there. But speaking of stories and remembering things, Ryan, thinking about throwing the, the football into those targets, it reminded me of Josh Allen at the Senior Bowl. Mm -hmm. So these are these are Nets. And what are they, 10 feet tall by 10 feet wide or something like that? Ish. Maybe a little salt, small or something like that. And then, like Ryan said, they have two or three uh, pockets in them, which you're supposed to hit. And they're typically about right in the middle. So when you miss badly, you're missing like a couple of feet off and it still hits the net. Well, down at the Senior Bowl, when Josh Allen was still very much this huge project, he had all the physical traits, but accuracy was a massive question mark. He was doing one of those from like 10 yards out. Like he's really close. And he not only missed the target, he missed the entire net. And I believe our our, our friend Nikki Javala got it on video and it just went viral. And it was just like, that was a huge reason why so many people were concerned of Josh Allen coming out, not necessarily because of that video, but just the accuracy. So, I mean, it's just a huge prop. So now when we talk about Josh Allen, we're talking about elite just in the same category as Russell Wilson. And if I remember correctly, it sailed into the bleachers and like yeah. made the sound of a football against the bleachers, like rattling or <laughs> like just everyone was like, Oh geez. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it was that those two things were huge for me. And then one, again, little thing that adds up. You talked about how good Russ is from a clean pocket. And the unfortunate thing for Russ, he didn't have a lot of those. And and, and from everything you've been saying, he has a lot of those through him. Um, we were kind of joking. He was talking to Billy Turner, who, you know, once again was not suited up today. And uh, I was saying, like, man, he's probably telling him, Billy, bro, you've got to get out here, please. Um <laughs> But a lot of times he's having to flush out of the pocket. 
One thing that I really noticed today is when he does that, he still is able to keep his eyes downfield. He's able to be very aware of where his receivers are. But I'm talking about, like, the most desperate situations. Like, when he is one second away from being stacked, he is so good at flipping his hips and getting the ball out to the check down. Um, multiple times today, you see him kind of running towards the line of scrimmage. He's getting converged on, and he's just able to kind of open up his hips and flip it out there. And and I thought there were a couple that could have ended up being like really big gains um, out of just an absolute disaster play. He's looking for his very last resort, but he's so good. And, and you, you know, the person that we've seen do this the most over the last few years is Patrick Mahomes doing it to the Broncos, where he's just, you know, he's in trouble. And then, you know, I remember in that game last year, the Broncos gave him a lot of trouble at home um, in that game, but he just kept going out there and flipping it out to Jarek McKinnon and, you know, seven, eight yards. That is the difference between a drive stalling and a drive rolling on. Um, and I just, uh, you know, that I see, like when I see those plays in the practice field, I can envision them in my head on a Sunday and it's just like, oh my God, wow. You know, he, tur- he, how did he turn that into an eight yard gain? And now it's second and two rather than first and 14 or second and 14. And, those, and Ryan, those checkdowns are going to be a big part of this offense. And people are saying, wait, what checkdowns? Big part of this offense? This is Teddy Bridgewater. Russ is going to look downfield so much this year. And so he, when he looks downfield, if it's covered, He's not going to want to throw that. So then the the other routes may just be in, in an awkward point at that point. So then he's going to have to turn to the check down. And I got to tell you, not just today, Ryan, but he has turned to the check down a ton. And that's something I like because Russ does not throw interceptions. And typically when you throw the deep ball over and over and over again, that turns into interceptions. This is why he knows when to take the chance and when not to take the chance. Other quarterbacks that we've talked about only knew when to take the chance and it was every single time, or they got scared off by if a guy was within five yards of him. And so they never took a chance. I really do think in stats, watching him this off season, and just watching him over these past 10 years do prove that he knows the difference. Uh, and that is, is what makes a guy able to throw 40 touchdowns to only seven interceptions. Yeah. Jason in the comments that here, please don't always check down on third down one. You're definitely going to see that less, but I am also looking forward to the moment when you do see it. And and I can explain to everyone, every single quarterback does this. It's it's a, I would rather take throw the ball to someone and give them an opportunity to break a tackle than not, you know, take, uh, than just take a sack or throw it away. I think it's one of the things that, and I get the frustration, I totally do, but it's one of the things that fans complain about the most that is a pet peeve of mine. Mm, so why are you excited to see him do that? Just because I've been telling everyone for years, Tom Brady does this. Peyton Manning did this. It just happens. It's not like it's not the offensive coordinator's fault. It's not the quarterback's fault. It's, if you want to blame anyone, it's it's really the offense or the receivers who are going downfield for not getting open. And here's one thing that you're really going to see on third down, Ryan, is is Russell Wilson by time with his feet scramble but not scramble just to to run off and get the first down, but scramble to pull that defender up on third and six. The, the linebacker thinks Russ is going to run for it, so he breaks on Russ, 
and then two yards before the line of scrimmage, Russ dumps it in the open zone where that defender was supposed to be. The guy is now catching it at the, you know, five yards behind the line of scrimmage or six, and boom, there you go, easy. And if defender is with it, Russ not going to afraid and take off. It's just such a difficult thing to cover. Yeah, uh, it really is, and he's – He's so good at manipulating defenses in that way. And I thought it was interesting today hearing Justin Simmons talk about um, the mental gymnastics. And I don't think it, it, he was using that in the way that most people are, are uh, used to it. But it made sense in the context, which was the mental gymnastics you have to go through before the play when you're watching Russ get up to the line and make checks. And and essentially what Justin is saying is like you're, you're having to try and figure out, well, what is he seeing? What is he doing? What are you know, how do I adjust what I'm going to do? Because he's clearly, uh, you know, seen what or he thinks he knows what he's looking at here. And again, just another thing that is going to make such a difference for the Broncos. On the other side of things, though, Zach, I we talked about in the offseason about this receiver group and how, okay, well, if they don't have KJ and they don't have Jerry, things could be a little bit worrisome for for this group. And, And right now for the most part, you're not seeing KJ or Jerry out there and it is very noticeable. Um, like it is Tim and Cortland and Alberto, of course, you know, who had a great day today. We'll get to him in just a second, but it is, they don't, it doesn't feel like a dominant receiver group when, when you're missing those guys. No, it, it really doesn't. And the thing about Tim and Cortland is they're both really good receivers, but they kind of do the same thing. They have a very similar game. So when you need a guy to just run a dirty route on third and six, that's Jerry Judy for you. You don't have him. There's no Jerry Judy filling. And when KJ Hamler's healthy, filling him, we're not seeing a guy take pop off of a defense so far and ryan i don't think we saw today russ even take a shot 40 or 50 yards downfield to tim patrick or to Cortland sutton russ needs that russ need, now he he can throw the deep ball to Cortland and tim but you're 100 right one of the things we saw today because of that was him throwing to the tight end specifically albert o a lot more and so i really like albert o stepping his game up Russ isn't typically a guy that has used tight ends all that much. I think he would prefer it to be one of those receivers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you just, you know, you cross your fingers. Jerry said he was, Jerry essentially said he's like already ready to go. Um, so who knows how true that is because he doesn't necessarily have to back it up for a month. Um, but I like just hearing him, you know, have that sort of confidence. You'd love to see a situation where he's out there the first day of training camp, nothing holding him back and, uh, and just gets kind of rolling. Um, but yeah, Alberto, good for him, man. You know, I think we were a little bit on the low end, uh, for our expectations for him and he showed out, I mean, he, you know, he's very much a matchup issue and Russ is a matchup identifier. And so he looked out there today and said, well, here's my matchup. Uh, and he worked Alberto a lot. And we've talked about this a lot, too. Where was he finding him? Almost exclusively in the middle of the field. Um, so that was good. Russ, you know, we, we, we were, I guess it was just yesterday we were discussing about how Russ was, was it that he doesn't like throwing in the middle of the field? Or is it that he can't throw in the middle of the field because he has a hard time getting the ball through the line? I think only one knockdown at the line today, right? Right, Zach? Yep, yep. That was not the storyline today. And 
I just wonder if the if the coaching staff is challenging Russ and saying, hey, man, look, we're, we want you to throw to the middle of the field. And Russ is being forced to kind of figure out how. And you saw it today. He's really altering his arm angle to get the ball into those spots. Um, multiple times, you know, there's kind of a gap that opened up right in front of him. And he was able to just like step a little to the side, drop the arm angle a little bit, sling it right through that gap and find Alberto in the middle. And I'm talking rockets from this. And it's kind of counterintuitive because you would think that when you're still in the pocket behind all these tall guys, you'd want to like your arm to go even higher up in the air. But no, he's dropping it down and slinging it to Alberto. And Brian, that's a very popular thing that says do his career. And so he's now on the practice field is finding the open lanes in the offensive line. And he's done that really well, did that really well today. And Alberto, two times, he's going, he starts on the left side, crosses the middle of the field, 10 to 15 yards down the field, and just finds a pocket in the defense. And it's a great job by Alberto to find that pocket. And it's a great job for Russ to let that play develop, you know, especially if he's thinking deep uh, to, to short. He hits the first read, which is a deep one. And Alberto is another great option there. And then if not, you hit the check down, but he found Alberto there twice. And and I got to say that this chemistry that Alberto is building with Russ is going to go a long way because it's been nearly every single practice that we've been able to watch, Ryan, where we're talking about Alberto having a big day impressing. In fact, Alberto, probably the most productive receiver out there today. And that's how it was yesterday. And that's how it's really been. So Alberto is taking advantage of Greg Dulcich being on the sideline due to a little injury uh, and, and really stepping up. Yeah. And that route, you know, the, the kind of deep in uh, or the dig route, if you will, is really, really hard to defend, but it's also hard to protect. It takes a while. You know, you think about it, Albert's got to go 10 yards, at least up the field and then come across the field maybe another 10 yards before he's in the you know the zone to catch that pass. But when it's there, when you have the protection, it's almost possible for the defense to defend because if you think about the way the linebackers are going to react, as soon as they see the snap, they're running out to a spot if they're playing in zone coverage. And so they're, they're going to run out there. And, and the one that's on the left side lined up originally over Alberto is kind of going to drift back in case that's a, uh, you know, a nine route. They're going up the seam. And so then Albert wraps behind that guy. But by the time he, he gets into the middle of the field, the other linebacker, in most cases, is going to have gone to the other side. So there's such a big gap in that area. It's really on the offensive line, though, to be able to protect that. And obviously, Russ, then, to get it through and get it over those guys. That's why knocking down passes can be so huge. Because there's a lot of times when it's protected, a huge window in the middle of the field. And your last chance for the defense is to get a hand up in there. Exactly, Ryan. And there was actually one of those passes, I think, was tipped by Alex Singleton, but it was such a dart and a laser from Russ that it didn't change the trajectory. And good for Alex for be able to throw by the tip. I mean, it almost as if the ball went straight through Alex Singleton's like tip of the finger because it just didn't change at all. Alberto caught it and then took off. But that is is something we haven't talked about much too either, is Russ being able to lower his arm, and then Russ's rocket, because we know he can throw the moon ball, and he can throw it 60 yards down the field with ease. But 10 to 15 yards, if you need to zip it in, there's no question that he can do that. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun to watch. It almost 
surprised me today how much he really was letting it fly, letting it rip. Um, just because I, I, I don't know. You think of him about his accuracy. You don't necessarily think like pure rocket arm strength other than when you're thinking of those deep balls, but he gets that thing moving. Uh, even on like, I saw him, he's rolling right, throwing back to uh, a check down running back going left. And he, he threw it hard. Uh, I think it was Mike Boone who made the catch and then got stripped, but uh, yeah. he's, he's still like, he was, he, he puts it in there. I, I assume that's a little bit of adjustment uh, for the receivers, especially because it's weird. It feels like everyone talks about Drew Locke as like who who Russell Wilson is replacing, but Russell Wilson is replacing Teddy Bridgewater, and there's a big, big gap there in arm strength. Yes, there certainly is a very big gap. And Ryan, we haven't even talked about the throw of the day, and I want to get into that after I tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where right now they're giving you an opportunity at $150 free dollars in bets, and Thursday might be the last time you can capitalize on this. How do you get those $150 free bets over at DraftKings Sportsbook? You place a $5 money line bet on either the Celtics or the Warriors in any NBA final game. You're guaranteed to have at least one more, maybe two more opportunities for this. But if the Warriors win on Thursday, which I think they're going to, this will be your last opportunity. So place $5 on the Warriors. Celtics doesn't matter if you win. You get $150 in your account, which then you can use on the Stanley Cup Finals. And the free bets are broken up into $25 bets. So you're going to have plenty of money to bet throughout the cup. I cannot wait, Ryan. We're almost at the 24-hour countdown for the cup to start, and you got to get in on the action over at Draft. And when you sign up, use promo code DNVR. Yeah, Zach, I have a parlay that was abs. In the last, I think I gave this out on the show. I can't remember. You did. My you did. Team. Yeah. Abs minus one and a half games in the last series. Well, they swept. That was easy. And then war, parlayed with Warriors minus one and a half games in this series. And I thought it was dead. I thought it was yeah. dead when they went down 2 1. But now it is alive and well. And I think the Warriors are going to smell blood in the water and, and pounce. I think so too. It's uh, it, Steph had a bad game yesterday. Oh, for nine. I think that's the first time he's ever done that in the playoffs or something. And they won. That's really, really, really bad news. Yeah. I'll probably throw it a bet uh, for them next game for him to yep. go over 35 points. Oh, and just parlay that with a, uh, with, with a win for, for the Warriors plus 140 right now. I'm shocked that they're getting juice, but I love it. Very, very interesting. A lot of a lot of Pat Shermer talk in the comments. I don't know how that or where that came from. I mean, the dude, the dude's retired. You can uh, you're just bashing on a retired man. Yeah. I don't know, job jobless or retired. I guess it's whichever way you you want to preface yeah. it. If I were him, I would say retired. Um, then it's like a triumphant thing, like oh, you came out of retirement to co coach whoever. You know, um, you know the crazy thing, uh, really, really quick about Pat Shermer. The New York Giants are still paying him this coming year big oof big oof also big i want to remind you guys to come watch the stanley cup final at the dnvr bar we're going big we're gonna have such a great time down there it's gonna be so cool and i know there's a lot of different places who are all of a sudden um you know uh saying they're doing abs watch parties 
come to the place that's been doing Avs watch parties. Avs game sound for every single game of the season. Even if you're not like a diehard Avs fan, isn't that the place you want to be where the where the true diehards are? Um, you know, so anyone can throw the game on the TV, but we've had the game on every single game for the entire season. Uh, and, and that's where I would want to be if I were you guys. That's where I will be for this game two, because game one, I'm going to the game. Uh, talk to some of the Broncos today. Sounds like they're thinking of putting together uh, a nice little suite uh, for the game. So they'll be down there, but you, you're going to want to come hang out at the DNVR bar. It's going to be maybe the most electric thing ever. Uh, it's going to be so electric. I cannot wait. I'm going to be there Wednesday. I'm going to be there Saturday because that's where you have to be for the Stanley Cup Finals games. It's going to be awesome. And if you're not able to watch every single Colorado sporting event in person or at the DNVR bar, I got the perfect other option for you. Check out our friends over at Ivaca TV where they have abs, they have nuggets, they have Rockies, and of course, Broncos. It's on basic cable, so it's easy for everyone to find. But outside of Broncos, sometimes it can be a pain to find these other teams, as we know well, very well here in call, not at Ivaca. And the thing is, it's only $25 a month. It is so affordable. And if you use code DNVR, you'll get $10 off your first three months, bringing that price to $15 a month plus the receiver. That's so affordable, so cheap. There's no contracts. There's no hidden fees. And you can get this all and watch all the Colorado sports. Plus, watch us over at DNVR on Ivaca by going to Ivaca.com. TV slash DNVR. That's evoca.tv slash DNVR. All right, Zach, you, you teased it up the play of the day and I'll let you pay it off as well. Ah, so Russ drops back to pass Cortland Sutton in tight coverage on Michael OJ Mudia going to the left. He's running a corner route at 25, 30 yards down the field. Ryan, he makes the Cortland makes the break to the sideline on the left side. Russ drops a pass in, and I'm saying Cortland got a little bit of separation from OJ on that, but Kareem Jackson is flying over from the safety spot. Looks like Kareem may have an interception there. He puts He's full extension, jumping up, puts his hand up, and the ball floats right over his hand into Cortland Sutton's arms. Cortland Sutton gets both feet down, and it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, and I think uh, Michael O.J. Mudia or Kawan Williams was also in on the play. Um, I think they were they had like a little bit of like a flat zone um, responsibility, and there wasn't anyone out there. So the corner also was drifting back to cover yeah. it. Kareem is drifting down to cover it. I, I'm not going to call it a bad read because I couldn't see you know uh, from the from the view. Cortland was open enough, which is all you ever need. But normally you wouldn't go there on this play. And Russ said, no, nah, he's open enough. I'm, I'm putting it there. He's got size on both of these guys. Cortland goes up, makes the catch. And one thing that I really loved is goes to the ground comfortably after he makes the catch. One thing that I've kind of noticed about Cortland over the last year or so um, is it doesn't feel like he was trusting his knee in every situation and just falling on it is one of those things is like, you know, falling gracefully is like a big part of, uh, you know, playing receiver or a lot of different positions in football, but he looked like very comfortable making the catch, tapping his toes, falling down, 
over, popping right back up. Uh, and you just you just love to see that. Uh, but a, just about a perfect throw from Russ and put it in a place where really Cortland could get it. Yeah, and Brian, it's a great point about Cortland coming to the ground, and you mentioned that right after it happened, and it's such a good point because Cortland, that is what he what separates him from the other receivers on this Broncos team. He's not Demarius Thomas where every single time it takes two players to take him down and he'll always break the first tackle and he's just getting beat up left and right, but he does have that to his game because he is just huge. Tim Patrick may be a little bit taller than Cortland, but Cortland is just built so big. He's so strong. And Cortland, every time he gets the ball, he should be lowering his shoulder and potentially running over someone. And so to have that back in his game where he's not afraid to fall, he's not afraid to lower his shoulder is going to be big. And and, and fighting for those extra yards is going to be huge for this team. Still, they're still Pat Shermering it up in the chat. Is it? Uh, it's it's six fourteen. I'm trying to think. Like, what is this a Pat Shermer day or what are we? Doing? I don't know, but we've got people defending Pat Shermer. I don't know what's going on in here, um, but we gotta we we just gotta let that one go. Just let's move on from Pat <laughs> Shermer. He, the Nathaniel Hackett Justin Outen uh, era is here, uh, and man, do I love the energy. I, I know you've talked about this a lot, but those guys, they just make it seem so fun. Like, you know, I, I've joked before, like, football, of all the sports to be a pro athlete in, football might be the least fun. Um, because, you know, you're practicing out there in the heat. Um, and that's really, I guess, in terms of the four major sports, the only one that you do that. Um, because even baseball, they don't really practice. They just play. They do play in the heat. Um, but, you're practicing out there in the heat, you know, the, especially your biggest time where you're practicing the most is the hottest time of the year. Then on top of that, you have school. They're literally still in school. They go to school every single day. They have periods. They have classrooms. They sit in the classroom. They got to take notes. They're tested on it. They're straight up at football school trying to get their PhD in football. Uh, and so no other sport is like that. You know, I'm sure obviously – uh, these other places are watching film and, and those sort of things, but it's not nearly the same. I mean, these guys will have six hours of meetings in one day on top of a practice. So a lot of things about football, obviously it's still an amazing job. You're playing a game for a living, but a lot of things about football aren't fun. And to be able to make it as fun as Nathaniel Hackett and Justin Allen and, and Evero and all these guys on the coaching staff are making it look out there for these guys is such a difference maker. Justin Simmons talked about it today just in terms of, you know, having fun and the competitiveness. And every time the offense makes a play, they're chirping and they're jumping up and down and they're hooting and hollering. And then the defense gets it back and they're doing it too. And it's just like, oh, okay, like it feels like they're playing a game out there. And, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse because we've been talking about this a lot. It did not feel like that. Not even when Vance Joseph was here did it feel like that. And so obviously the personality uh, of – uh, of Nathaniel Hackett is going to bring that out. But I feel like they've made a, a real concerted effort to make sure these guys are having fun. And even the way they wrapped up practice sack was fun. 
Yeah, they, they wrapped up practice in a very fun way. And before we talk about that, Ryan, uh, j- just really quick, one other thing that Nathaniel Hackett, Justin Outen, and his coaching staff do, which I think is really bonding and, and, and really important for the players to buy into him, is they're in there doing drills with them. Nathaniel Hackett, we've talked about lining up at running back, linebacker, but he's also wearing a boxing glove, Justin Outen as well, and they're trying to punch the ball out from these guys. Typically, Ryan, that's a, that's a, that's your position coach, maybe even an assistant position coach, or just someone that's on the field helping. That's not your head coach. Your head coach is standing 40 yards an away intern. just watching it all happen. Yes, exactly. A, a coaching intern. No, that's Nathaniel Hackett. He's doing that, and, and that just shows that he's one of the guys, and that's how these, these guys are treating him. And then he's also making his coaches do some uncomfortable things, some fun things. After practice of two hours in the heat today, Nathaniel Hackett, before saying practice was over, put one offensive coach, Ben Steele, and one defensive coach, Marcus Dixon, in a competition. Yeah, uh, and a fun one because it's not something that you know anyone and everyone has done before, which, of course, is fielding a punt off the jugs machine. Uh, and originally, they were getting these things way up in the air. They gave them one look at it. And then, man, really poor form from both coaches trying to field these punts. You've got uh, Steele not moving his feet nearly enough trying to catch the punts off to his side. And then you've got um, Dixon, like, trying to kind of nonchalantly catch it, but he wasn't getting in position either. They both dropped three in a row, and I'm pretty sure at that point they turned down the machine a little bit and lowered the, the launch angle a little bit. Uh, and they were able to go on a streak there. And eventually, I believe it was Dixon who got the better of them. And it, it was pretty funny because, like you said, they Nathaniel Hackett gave them both just a practice one to just see where the ball was going. And then uh, I think Hackett thought it was going to be over after the first round. It wasn't. So Hackett's like, okay, one more, one more. You know, super, super excited. Then they both missed that one. And Hackett's like, well, I, I can't just end on both guys missing both punts. Well, one more, one more. And by the sixth one, he's like, hey, let's do another one. All right. Someone's, someone's got to win this competition. Now, I thought, Ryan, at first that this was going to be high stakes catch with if they catch him or one of them catches him, then there's no practice tomorrow. Or if the offense won, then the defense was running after practice or something like that. But it, 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 I don't think there was anything on the line, at least that we were able to see. Yeah, I guess they've just been doing a little something between the coaches after each practice um, or after some of the practices. And Nathaniel Hackett afterwards said defense is up 3-0. So offense's coaches got to get it together. Nathaniel uh, can't like that at all. And I asked Dwayne Stukes after practice why why he or someone on his staff wasn't involved. And he said it'd be way too easy. Well, it wouldn't even be a competition. And I'm sure he's right. Stukes, uh, a former returner himself. So he could probably do it one-handed. Yeah, I bet it. Man, that would, what would be harder, one handed or behind the back? God, I hate to even bring this up. Um, well, behind the back, definitely way harder. Okay. Um, bring I hate it up, to even though. bring this up, but because it's just crazy. When Isaiah McKenzie got to Denver, he was insane with the things he was able to do catching punts. What he would do is they would launch one in the air and you'd catch it normally. Then he would, he would tuck that ball. Then they'd launch another one. He'd catch it one-handed with the other hand. Then they'd launch another one. 
he'd catch it between the two balls. Then he'd like take that ball and put it between his legs. So now he's holding three balls. They'd launch another one. He'd catch that one. I believe at one point he got to five. He was able to catch five balls all at once. And it's just so crazy to think about because, of course, his downfall in Denver was being unable to catch, you know, in bumbling punts way too much. And I guess it wasn't always um, like muffing the punt it was like fumbling after when he got hit but he did muff more than you'd ever muff you know as a start returner in the nfl and it's just crazy to think about like he was so good at tracking and in making you know making those catches with other balls in his hands and ryan we would always joke uh after he would you know muff a punt or fumble or something we're like hey is it if only he had a ball in each hand, then he wouldn't have muffed it. He would have caught it because we've seen it in practice so much. Crazy. Just crazy. All right. Anything else that we need uh, to touch one, on? One more thing. Chippiness at practice. This practice was the first practice that was chippy to the extent where media about 50 yards away could actually see and pick up on. There were two or three skirmishes where, where people would get together. There'd be some hoot, hooting and hollering. You'd see some shoving, but there was never any fights that broke out today. And Nathaniel Hack, after practice, Ryan heard him about 50 yards away. Uh, he was pissed at, at, at the chippiness. And after practice, he said, uh, you, you, you like guys being amped up and ready, but if it ever hurts your team, you can never have that. So I imagine the first person that actually gets into a fight during training camp is going to be tossed. I, I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to make a point of that because even though nothing broke out today, he was not happy about it. Yeah, and the more I think about this, Zach, it's really cut and dry. It's really obvious. Um, I used to kind of, you know, toe the line and say, I think this is good. You want these guys to be aggressive. It's a, it's a physical game. And I've just completely changed. If you do that in a game, it's a 15 yard penalty at the very least, or you're getting ejected. And you, you just have to keep that in mind. You, you know, how many times in your life have you heard practice how you play? And so as a coach, I think you kind of have, like if a guy throws a punch, you have to kick them out of practice to send them that message, which is. This is what would happen in a game. You can't get away with this stuff in a game. And if, if you if you can't control your emotions, you can't be on the field. So I like Nathaniel Hackett. He was a lot more um, political about it towards the media than he was towards his team afterwards. But, you know, essentially what he said to the team is, is what I just said to you. Like, if you do that in a game, you're hurting the team. So you just can't do it. Yep, and, and you can't, but... After yesterday, I guess there was a little bit of chirpiness. I'll call it yesterday. Your word, Ryan. So shout out to you for that. Uh, Garrett Bowles and Bradley Chubb were going at it, as we talked about yesterday. And uh, Bradley Chubb was under Garrett Bowles' skin. And today, what happened, not so much them going back and forth with each other about talking and, and talking smack to each other, but on one play, Garrett Bowles, and I, I couldn't tell, it's about 50 yards away, must have been holding Bradley Chubb on a run play. And in fact, I think, Ryan, you said uh, Bradley blew that run play up. And Garrett must have been holding him as well. Bradley took his jersey off after the play, ran up to him, and tried to give him his jersey, being like, hey, you were holding it. You must want it. Take it. And that is something that Bradley Chubb's having a lot of fun with. And we saw Bradley Chubb have so much fun today, hooting and hollering. I love that. I'm curious if there's a boiling point 
not necessarily for Bradley, but for Garrett Bowles or for some offensive linemen. Now, there's going to be a lot of time to let that cool down in the next six weeks. But in training camp, that's certainly one I'm going to keep an eye on. Yep, absolutely. And I have to call this out in the comments because uh, Brandon here in the comments is talking about how it's not Shermer's fault that he was bad. Um, He didn't have a quarterback, which fine. uh, You know, I can get behind that sometimes. But then he says, hack resume is not impressive. He was the offensive coordinator of a team with a three-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers. That is true, but you're uh, overlooking a very important part of his resume, which goes against your point, which is that you can't have success with a bad quarterback, which is Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator for Blake Bortles and was able to produce a very, very solid offense that went all the way to the AFC championship game. So he goes against that. You have to, you can't take away credit for that and say that you can't be good if you don't have a quarterback. And if you do have a quarterback, then you can't do anything well. And then, erase that part of his resume. And what I like about Nathaniel Hackett and and his background is he's proven he can do it either way. He can run the ball down your throat or he can pass. And that is playing to your strengths. And that is just something that is so simple. But Ryan, how often have we seen it personally where you're really good at doing one thing, yet you never do it just because you're stubborn. You have a really good player who's good at doing this one thing but you just don't do it because that doesn't fit your system. So we see it time and time again. And Nathaniel Hackett has proven that he is very adaptable. We're talking about Blake Bortles. <laughs> I'm clipping this. Allie, we need to clip this, put on Twitter, tag a couple people. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, any, anything else? Any, I guess Justin Simmons had an interception. Uh, it was yes. a weird play from Russ. It felt like, Almost like he was throwing the ball away, but he threw it away right into Justin Simmons' hands. He threw it really, really hard, and Justin didn't even have time to move his feet and just like, whoosh. Yeah. I mean, we're 50 yards away, like you mentioned, and it was loud. Like, it sounded like a pitch hitting the glove in in a baseball game. Uh, So, nice play from Justin. I guess it was just weird from Russ because it was like, nothing's there, nothing's there, nothing's there. And then he just stepped on one, just (laughs) hucked it, and and Justin was able to make the play. Yeah, I I bet Russ is dapping him up right now saying, man, I did that, and I did not think there was any chance that you were going to catch that. But he did. He did catch it. And uh, my guess, and I didn't see where the receiver was, was it was like a slant route is kind of where Russ threw it. But instead of slanting in, maybe the receiver slanted out and that's the only thing that makes sense. So, so just he was just off, off page with his receiver. Yep, absolutely. And, and uh, I have to I'll, I'll go back to this. This is the last time I'm acknowledging this. Uh, Brandon says the Jags offense was the best of the league of rushing the ball that year. Rushing the ball is not coaching. That's a, that's an interesting thing there. But speaking of that, Justin Allen, I thought had some great points about how much it is coaching um, and how, they're still, you know, in the process of teaching the offensive line to trust the system. And why they have to do that is what he's essentially saying is when that ball is snapped and you're using this outside zone concept, the, the offensive linemen literally just have to start running. If it's, a, if it's outside zone right, you just snap the ball and you are running right. You're, you're <laughs> looking to run someone over. Um, and what kind of the way that Outen described it is a lot of these guys are still – hesitating and feeling like, you know, because it's the opposite of what they're used to. You know, usually the the defensive line is going towards them. Um, and really now you're getting, you're just trying to get out there and just mow someone down. 
uh, on your way on that outside zone. So I think it's, it, it is really actually uh, this specific uh, scheme more than any other is coaching in terms of teaching these offensive linemen how to use the, how to, how to block outside zone and also teaching the running backs how to run outside zone. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Justin Outen today also said it takes weeks or months in order to pick up this system and feel comfortable in it. So there's still some guys that are comfortable in it. Now, the is Billy Turner is going to be a big piece on this offensive line, I believe. But he has not practiced his entire offseason. But the good news is he's coming from the same system. So I, I expect him to fully pick it up right when he gets back out there. And you hope that it's the beginning of training camp. But one thing I've noticed, Nathaniel Hackett, change from the way he was talking about players in the past two months or so he stopped talking about players coming back from injury and in absolutes now every time he's been asked about an injury over this past month specifically timeline specifically are guys going to be back for training camp we're not getting answers like yes he should be we're getting oh you know he's day to day we're evaluating him as he goes we'll we'll do what's best for him come training camp I hope that's just Nathaniel Hackett changing the way he approaches talking about these things and not major setbacks from Billy Turner, from uh, from Eric Thomason, from all of these guys that aren't practicing. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. It'll be about the day before training camp when we really have an idea of the health of this team. And said it once, uh, I said a million times, the guys who aren't out there on day one of training camp, I'm going to be very worried about. It's very fair. It, it, it's it's a very fair point because, and we just see this all too often where guys just keep getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And before training camp starts, Ryan, you guys all got to go get your teeth cleaned and might as well go to the best damn family owned dentistry in the Denver metro area. That is our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. And we've had so many listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental and give fantastic reviews to them. They're part of the Colorado sports teams they love the teams and they will be cheering on the abs they are part of our family as well so what's a better place to go than the place that dnvr family and also that are colorado sports fans so go over check them out and when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you'll get a free sonicare toothbrush that's right schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and they'll hook you up with a free sonicare toothbrush over at green mountain dental all right, Zach, let's finish up here with the comments. And I believe we have a super chat to get started with. So let's hit that first. Um, and then we will get into the comments from the listeners on the website. But let's start with this one from Jason, who says, Boys, I still think the Broncos are running a 2-5 like Tampa Bay. Baron is an outside linebacker in a 2-5. I could very much be wrong. Abs in five. Mm, I hope you're not wrong about that last part. I would love that. And uh, yeah, I think the Broncos are going to be creative. What I will say is they're rotating a lot of defensive linemen in. And I think that's just to see, to get an idea, a feel for what these guys are like. It's going to be interesting and very telling, I think, once training camp rolls around, exactly how many defensive linemen are going to be out there. All right. Well, what's your prediction of the base? Man, the the base is going to be three defensive linemen. I want it to be two. And like we've talked about, Ryan, the Broncos have two great Joneses on the defensive line. And then they just have, they're so deep at outside linebacker. Get those guys on the field. So I really hope that Jason's right. And what the Broncos are doing is is getting Barron outside because he's going to be used a lot. And I hope that's the case. But from what I've seen so far, more so of a very traditional defense. Now, again, 
it's March or it's it's May, it's June. Sorry, third time's a charm. You're still <laughs> trying stuff out. But one thing we talked about the Broncos playing so much nickel and dime. I always said right after these are things that are great set in April and May and June. But a lot of times then teams just revert back to their base a lot more and uh, kind of seeing that in practice. But again, I, I'm not making a big deal of this until it's actually happening uh, at the beginning of the season. Jose asks, who's the third D lineman? <clears throat> I got to chime in here and just say, my goodness, Ioma Uazarike looks huge out there. I mean, he looks like the biggest dude on the team. Yeah, he he is he is massive. Uh and that is someone who's also very much impressed and has been in that first string rotation. That was unbelievable. Uh, it was a, our friend Nick Cosmiter who pointed it out to me when we got out there. He's like, dude, look how big Annie looks. And I was just like, What? Like standing next to the other defensive lineman yeah. who towers over them. And that's the thing is DJ Jones, uh, he's not the tallest guy. So when Innie's next to him, oh man, it just, it looks like he is towering over him. It's He looks like a, a like a legitimate NBA power forward. <laughs> yes, he does. That'd be pretty impossible to box him out. All right, let's get to the comments on the website. First one from Melbourne Broncos says, hi guys. Okay, okay. Build it downtown as long as the Broncos can still have home games is all I care about for the fans, of course. And here's a thought. With yesterday's defensive dominance, is it possible they will improve on Fangio's bend-not-break game plan? Sure, injuries didn't help, but maybe Vic and his old-school systems are too old for the current game. Cheers. So what what is Melbourne Broncos' question about the defense? Is it possible that the defense could actually be better this year than they were last year? Potentially, and the the way that would happen, I don't necessarily think that's through points per game. I think it's in turnovers, and the pass rush is going to be very key in that. And then also the secondary, being able to catch those passes. I think Justin Simmons is going to uh, have his career high in interceptions, but also the offense is going to be good, which is then going to force teams into passing the ball more, not being able to shut down their game plan at the end of the second quarter and just play a very blah defense where you can't get turnovers. So I think that's where the improvement is, is through turnovers. Yeah. And maybe through Bradley Chubb uh, and Randy Gregory, seeing Randy Gregory out there today to do too. I was like, Oh my God, that dude is a monster. Uh, so hopefully if you get both of those guys working, then the sky's the limit. And Bradley Chubb is huge as well. So Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory coming on you the, on the outside, that's going to be really tough. Yep. Next one's from Dan Burke. Hey, guys, Zach mentioned Michael O.J. Moody having a great offseason so far. I know you can't get into too much detail from the outside looking in. He's often on the opposite end of big plays in the highlight reels the Broncos put out. Can you elaborate what he's doing that's been so impressive? Also, on that point, saw a couple of beat reporters mention that Damari Mathis looked good yesterday. Has that been your overall impression of him as well? Yeah, Damari actually had an interception off Josh Johnson today, so that was a, a good play by him. He's very much Terrible still a, a, a what? Terrible throw. Yes, yes, it, it was. He took he took advantage of it, uh, but he he's someone who very much is still in the backup role, growing. I don't expect a big role from him this offseason, but have liked what I've seen as a backup uh, and. Uh, Michael Jim, he he's there. Like we talked about yesterday, and I think Ryan used this word sticky. He's just in every play. Now, he has gotten beat a couple of times. We talked about one of them today. Uh, that's going to happen to cornerbacks other than Patrick Sertan. Michael O.J. Moody has just been very impressive to me. Yeah, and I didn't uh, – it was not lost on me that when Justin Simmons was talking about just being out there on the field with the guys, he listed just being out there with KJ, with Pat, 
with Oge, and, and those were the three players that he mentioned and next to him in the secondary. And, or, and then he also mentioned uh, Kawan Williams, I believe. But, you know, that in his head right now, that's the starting secondary. And to be to be fair to Ronald Darby, I did notice today that he was practicing off to the side. So because he talked to the media yesterday, he probably just has something just that's just a little tweaked, and they're being extra cautious with him. Same with Caden Stearns. Caden Stearns has not played at all in team during the off season. So that's also something to follow. Uh, so we'll see though, but I think Michael O.J. Moody has done enough where he can be the Broncos starting cornerback, even when Ronald Darby's fully healthy. All right. Next one here from Beham Bronco. Hi guys. I'm redoing the in-laws theater in their new home. And I think it's going to be an awesome place to watch the Broncos this season. Besides the DNVR bar and mile high, where's your favorite place to watch the Broncos play? Ah, uh, man. Well, growing up, I used to watch the Broncos every single week with my dad and our basement. And Ryan, the basement, the house came with this orange, original orange couch that was built into the wall. And I mean, it was Broncos orange. And above it was this green, really weird textured wall. So I was able to convince my parents, let's paint it Broncos blue. And so you had an orange bench with Broncos blue right above it. And then you got a fat head right slapped right on that. So it was the ultimate basement to watch games. Who was the fat head? Uh, it was just the, the Broncos. Oh, logo. The logo. Yeah, Damn, that's yeah, badass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if it's not at the bar or at the stadium, I'm on my couch. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. My couch is elite. So uh, <laughs> you're not you're going to have a hard time getting me away from that if the stadium or the bar aren't, aren't an option. The, all three very good options. All right, moving on here. Next one from Denver Rivals. Hey, guys, I hope the Avs sweep the lightning, don't we all? That way I don't have to worry about trying to watch Game 6 on the day of the Denver Rivals fundraising flat football game. I'd love to see the DNVR fam as well as we celebrate the Avs championship, which would, and the funds going towards the Alzheimer's Association. How excited are you all to see the defense playing so well in practice? We build up fixed defense. However, I do admit this defense made uh, sacking and turnovers very rare to see. I hope the Broncos defense dominates all the other defenses in the league. Go Broncos and support Denver rivals. And I think that's a, it's a great point. Denver rivals is I think it's going to be not complete opposite of what Vic's defense was, but Vic's defense at times did a great job of bending, not breaking in terms of they wouldn't give up a lot of points per game, but I think what's going to happen. Broncos probably going to give up a, a couple more points per game this year, but they're going to have the turnovers. They're going to have the game changing plays, which is something that Vic's defense simply did not have. And it's going to be interesting to see these Broncos pass rushers have been very, were very limited under Vic Fangio. I should say now I know we're dealing with Bradley Chubb injury. We're dealt with a Von Miller injury as well, but the production was so underwhelming. I'm, I'm curious to see if this defense is going to have a lot more, not just pressure, but, but a lot more ability to actually take the quarterback down. Yeah. To me, it's just so much more difficult as an offense if the defense is getting after you. And I think that you're going to see Evero take a lot more risks. Um, and yeah, you get burned sometimes when you take risks, but I just, you, when you can create havoc in a backfield, it's just so much, it feels like you have so much more control over the game. 100%. And Ryan, our final comment coming in from sand monkey 27, my boys been a while. Hope y'all are doing well yesterday during the pond is pod. As soon as Zach said, Ryan, you love this food. I shouted sushi. It must be the Ryan to Ryan connection as I love sushi too. Been through so many food off season pods. That was an easy trivia question. My quick, where was I story? As soon as I saw Rogers resign with the Packers, I gave my phone to my son since I work from home and needed Tim to be distracted. 
Later, I proceeded to get a Microsoft Teams message from a coworker, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, question mark. I was like, my boy talked about him on DNVR, never heard of him coming to Denver. I then jump off my desk chair and proceed to chase down my son, grab my phone, went on Twitter, and there it was all over my newsfeed. Phone calls from friends begun and started speculating who was getting traded. I was like, oh, Fant, Locke, Shelby? We got Russ, Russell freaking Wilson. I'm so glad my son will get to watch great Broncos football like I did growing up in the 90s. Love it. Great story. A lot of just hilarious stories about how people found out. Um, mine was, uh, you know, ours was much uh, much different. We, we don't spend that much time away from our phones. No, no, we, we <laughs> certainly don't. That is a worse nightmare, though, Ryan. Uh, I was on a walk last week. About 9.15 p.m. Tuesday night. Um, what's going to happen? I'm fine, right? Still have my phone with me. But I'm on a walk, talking with my fiance, not checking my phone. Then we get to the halfway point. I look at my phone. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I literally just, I was like, babe, we got to stop this walk right now. But I, I didn't have time to go home. We were halfway through this walk. It, it was an out and back. So I'm just like... So I just stopped for like 25 minutes and just, you know, did, did work on my phone there. That is funny. That is hilarious. You're, you're on a little bit of a streak here. Cause I had to wake you up for the Nathaniel oh. Hackett news. It's a badge of honor for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's brutal. It's why, why are the Broncos doing news at what? When did that break? Five 30 in the morning. That was so dumb. And yep, that was, was a was. Thursday morning, I think. And then you have ownership news breaking at 9.15. Isn't there like a normal news cycle? You know, drop something at 9 a.m., drop something at noon, drop something at 3, and then hold off until tomorrow. I just assumed they waited until the the uh, the sale was done, and that's right when they broke it. Right. The, the Nathaniel Hackett was East Coast reasoning for that it being that early. Uh, you're right, because the reporter that had it uh, got the news, I think, at like 1230 in the morning Denver time. And someone with Broncos was able to plead with them, just save it until the morning. And of course, it was a I believe it was an East Coast reporter that broke the news. So it, you're right, Allie. It was probably 730 a.m. East Coast time. Makes a lot of sense then. Man, forget the East Coast. Um <laughs> I, I would have much preferred the 1230 break. I would have been up. I would have been all over it. Yeah, I would have been getting a call from you then as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was at the bar that night, so that would have been, oh, that would have been even man. more fun. <laughs> that would have been electric. That's way better. 1230 at a bar as opposed to 530 when you had been out at a bar the night before. Yes, exactly. That was rough. <laughs> um, I remember just scraping through that podcast the next morning. <laughs> Uh, but all right i think that's gonna wrap it up for us today this has been fun appreciate you guys hit us with a thumbs up uh subscribe to the channel you can even sign up for alerts to know anytime we go live uh appreciate everyone for tuning in we'll catch you tomorrow and go ask Flying cotton